Hello and welcome back to the Men You're Not Alone podcast. This is going to be a solo episode, a quick one, famous last words, and it will probably fall in as episode 28. And this one is about anxiety. And it was just a thought I had this morning. About six weeks ago, I noticed that anxiety was starting to creep up around me and I could not put my finger on exactly why, because I'm not I'm not facing any tremendous hardship in my life. There's nothing battling against me right now. I mean, nothing outside of the ordinary, at least for my life. So I couldn't quite put my finger on it. But over the last week or so, I've, I've figured that out. And it is due to the fact that I've taken the last year off because my batteries had gotten completely depleted in helping other people. And eventually I do just kind of become empty. So it took about seven years this last run before I really completely ran out of energy to tend to anybody else, encourage people, help feed them, whatever it might be, run small groups. But over the last six months or so, you know, the back half of this year that I've just sort of unplugged from everything to recharge, I have noticed my energy level climbing fast. And now my energy level has sort of, it's back, like my batteries are fully charged and I have a ton of energy and I am wired to be helping people. And that is my passion. It is what God put in me to do with my life. And that is to encourage people, help the downtrodden, the discouraged, whatever it might be, help feed people who need a hand up, lead small groups, help men, encourage uh children, teach children, whatever it might be. And so now I'm back with, I've got full batteries. I found myself pacing in my house about a week and a half ago, sometime in it, at the tail end of the Thanksgiving week. And I could not figure out why I'm like, why am I so full of like energy, like anxious energy? And then it dawned on me why. And that is because I am I'm not doing what I need to be doing. And and I have enough energy now to resume. I've been off. My batteries got charged and it didn't quite dawn on me that my batteries were fully charged. Therefore, I need to jump back into it and that is, and do what I love to do. And that is what gives me energy in my life is doing what was put in me to do. So this morning, as, as I was sitting and praying, I prayed a little longer than I normally do. When I uh, was thinking about anxiety, like... I realized like my anxiety, it was really, really simple. God has put it in me to be a source of encouragement to those around me and to go out and find those people. I mean, he brings them to me, but also to find them and encourage them and and help them to, to know that there is never a reason to give up hope. There is always, always hope, at least in Jesus. If you don't give him a shot, I don't have the brightest forecast for you. I, that's just from my own experience. There's been multiple periods in my life where I thought Jesus was a bunch of crap. It was just a churchy story. I made the I made the the false I made the the false assumption that some of the empty churches I went to were an accurate reflection of Jesus and they weren't. So they were two different things. Jesus is meat on the bones. And and churches don't always carry that forward. They're not always that simple meat on the bones, substantial. But uh 
I don't know. I just disappeared on a rabbit chase. I'm going to go back to anxiety because that's what I want to do this for. I need to get to work. Um, so anyway, so while I was thinking about anxiety, so that was the source of my anxiety over the past six weeks or so that's been creeping up. So now that I am, I am laying out things back in front of me where I believe that God is pushing me to tend to, to go be that source of encouragement, that source of light into people's lives who are giving up hope, uh, to tend to the next generation some. So I'm going to stay working with men. I'm going to start focusing on children again, to some extent, uh, younger, not younger boys, but like teenage boys to try to help bring up, to help play a role in preventing another generation of broken men. And, and so it's, it's, I'm working on the, the healing side with men, but I, I, I need to get it plugged into the prevention side with younger boys so that they at least go into life equipped to be aware of things that myself and other men did not envision as being possible. And, and that really kind of severely damaging things that require healing. So anyway, but anxiety. So when I used to hike a lot of trails, I'm from back West and I spent mo up until I was 30, I spent much of my life in remote areas of the Rockies exploring it, which to this day I still love. I just love exploring period. And it doesn't have to be in the Rockies though. I do love them. So there was one, there was one of the particular areas I used to go to, and if you're from the east or the south or something like that, by an area, I mean thousands of square miles, probably a thousand square miles, this small range, and it's a small range in Colorado. This small range was one of the areas that I used to frequent, and it was it was fairly easy to get to where you could hike from. Um, the road wasn't super great. It did It was a long drive. It was very remote and it was, I don't know how else to put it. It was, it was, it was, it was brutal. It was up. It was steep. It was up and it was long. Uh, but, but the reward at the end was super great. Just like any of the big ranges in Colorado that you can go to or get up on top of or wander through or snag fish out of the little streams. So there was one particular area in this range. There were Hundreds and hundreds, I don't even know how many miles of trail had been cut over the decades through this range. And that range is not like it's surrounded by a town or something like that. It's just multiple ranges that keep going for seemingly forever. It's so vast. The ruggedness is so vast. If you've never stood in it, I can't put you there and I can't explain it to you. If you've stood there, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I don't mean in Colorado. Anywhere that's rugged and vast. You have to see it, feel it, smell the air, feel the risk, and you have to experience it to, uh, to understand it. So there was one particular area. It was about a 23-mile loop, and I called it a death hike. And it was about 11... Well, half of it, about 12 miles of it, 11 or 12 miles of it, was a brutal uphill ascent. Not like you need climbing gear ascent. It was just steep pitched. It was a very long hike. It started at about 9,000, 9,200 feet, something like that, down along a, a, a river that was great. It used to be years ago. It used to be great for catching dinner out of if you needed it. Um, and then it climbs up into the just under 
you know, I mean, 13.5, somewhere in that range, 13,500 feet up where the oxygen really starts to get thin. So anyway, but it was about, you would go, you would start down as low as you could get in one of the valleys around there. You the, By the time you were at maybe mile eight, you were above timberline. And you would stay above timberline for about the next five miles as you walked down that ridge line. And then you would finish the loop as an ascent. I mean, I'm sorry, a descent back down. So it was it was a long uphill battle and the oxygen got thinner as you got more tired and ran out of more energy. So I used to love to do this as a one-day hike. And that was with about a two-hour drive up to it and a two-hour drive back. And I always loved doing it because it was, um, I was very acclimated to that. I had worn out so many pairs of really good Danner boots. I don't even know how many miles I have actually walked. I, I don't know. I, I love walking. But in that loop, I also knew that a lot of times, if because I felt like it or because um, time was going to catch up to me, because I couldn't carry enough gear that I could comfortably stay up there if something happened. Plus, I did a lot of it by myself. So, like, I had to be very conscious of how many calories I had in my backpack, how warm I could stay that night if push came to shove. You know, real basic, but I had to travel light because physically my abilities would not let me carry a ton of weight for that whole loop and make it in one day. But I loved the challenge of it. But sometimes I would just shoot a compass bearing for where I knew I could intersect the river and it may be eight miles across country. And I don't mean like eight miles of walking across a lawn. It's eight miles of walking through several ridges. You know, I mean, like valleys and ridges and valleys and ridges, uh, rock faces. It wasn't easy walking. It was beautiful, but it wasn't easy. And so I would just blaze a trail off if I needed to trim off some time and I could go, or I just wanted to do it. And without fail, even though I had done it many, many times, and I knew I could get from, I've been doing it for years, I knew I could get from where I was to where I needed to be with relative ease. And I may have veered off a quarter mile or something if I if I got to where I couldn't you know, get a landmark on something or I'd gotten screwed up around some rock that screwed up my compass. But at some point, I did notice in all of these, whenever I did that, whenever I cut across country, which I still do to this day, I use a trail as a starting point, as an anchor point, and I just find myself wandering around with my compass just to see what's off the trail. But inevitably, when you get off the trail for a while, there is some point, at least for me, along the way before I got to something that told me like a river or uh, an old trail or something like I knew that was my that was my my assurance that I was in fact close or I was on the right path. It was a substantial landmark that was unmistakable. Somewhere between where I started and that landmark, a doubt would creep up, and it would creep up as anxiety, and you start self doubting. Like, what if I, what if I shot the wrong bearing off the map from up top? What if? You just, it's stuff you don't do, but it's stuff your mind starts screwing with you. And, and and when you're three or four miles off of a trail, and just for one second, you think that you could be lost. Uh, if you've ever been there, 
Like it takes tremendous self-discipline not to go into a panic because it gets very, very real at that point. But I mean, I knew it, but still, even though I knew it and I'm like, no, I know I took the bearing. Here's my pencil line across the map. I know exactly what I shot from here to there. Those are the landmarks I shot it off of and I'm going. Um, but still, you had those moments of self-doubt with anxiety. And and I wanted to tie that together really quick. If you're a Christian and you have, like, Jesus is a trailblazer. Jesus does not need to follow a trail. He is blazing the trail. It started at some point in the past. It is going to conclude at some point in the future. And he will not be deterred off of that that path. And it is a story of redemption from start to finish. And so if you give your life to him and you say, okay, I want you to lead my life and I want you to be the Lord of my life, the boss of my life, I, I want to follow you, you are following a trailblazer. And and if you've ever if you've ever lost some knucklehead that didn't listen to what you said and veered off of something or yeah, I learned a long time ago, you don't tell people who are not familiar with the woods, I'm going to go up here. I want you to to meet me here. Stay on this or whatever. I would tell them, i got to go check this out. I want you to stay right here. Like you're tired. I've got the energy. I'm going to go up and look at this. I will be back to here. Do not leave this place. Because heaven forbid they start wandering. They can, and they can and they have wound up many, many miles from where you last saw them. And it's very nerve-wracking to find them. Um, and it's very nerve-wracking to be them. But anyway, so if we are following him, could it be could it be? I want you to just think about this as you roll through your day. If you have anxiety or you feel it creeping in, is it possible that you, there's something that God has asked you to do? You're not doing it. It could be something simple like reading your Bible, taking time to pray. It could be uh, going to a church. It could be starting some kind of group. If you've got a leadership bent, it could be uh, starting some kind of anchor point where you start ministering to other people, helping other people. I don't know what it looks like in your life. But is it possible that there is something, you're focused on everything else, but there's one casualty, and that is the one thing that God has asked you to do, and it may be something very small and easy to accomplish. But because you're not doing that, the trailblazer that is in front of who's in front of you knows that if you start veering off that path a little bit, it doesn't take long in the V-shape that is created between you and him. It's difficult for you to find your way back to him. And if you've never lost anybody in the woods or spent much time in remote areas, that may not connect with you as much. It, it, in my head, it creates a reasonable sense of panic in my mind because I know how fast that V can grow where one person's over here and one person's over here and... Once you're out of earshot from each other, uh, game on. It's it, You better know what you're doing. So anyway, that's just something I, I, was, I wanted to pass it along because it's something that, that hit me while I was sitting still. It's not huge or profound, but I do talk to a lot of men and I see a lot of anxiety. A lot of men struggling with anxiety that they can't necessarily explain. I would just argue it might be worth stopping and taking a look. Is there one thing that Jesus is asking you to do that you're not doing? Just a thought. That's going to wrap up this episode of the podcast. This will be the Men You're Not Alone podcast. This will probably be episode 28, the way it falls out, I think. So anyway, I wish you the best today, and I hope that life finds you your perspective, choosing to see your life doing well. And I will catch you on the next one.